The following shear has been presented by Rav Shmuel Yeshaya Yafi, Chaber Sefer Shavile Tzioin, and has been brought to you by the Base Havad Halacha Center. The center can be reached for dispute resolution and many other halachic services at 888-485-VAD or at thehalachacenter.org. As we learn the Gemara and Kedushan Lamad Gimel Lamad Beis, there's an interesting question which can be quite relevant which revolves around the maskana of the Gemara we're going to learn. I know a fellow, a special Jew in Chicago, let's call him Yaakov, who was zeichet to have a very special son, Reb Ruvain, who is a great Rosh Hashiva. And now the question is, Reb Ruvain is a great scholar, a big Talmud Chacham, and he's mechuyiv, obviously, in the mitzvah of Kibbut Av, to respect his father Yaakov. Yaakov, on the other hand, is mechuyiv to be mechavet talmidichachamim. And even though his son, Reb Ruben, is only his little baby son, he's nevertheless a great scholar, a great Talmud Chacham and Rosh Hashiva, and perhaps Yaakov has to give respect and stand up when his son Reb Ruben walks into the room. So does Reb Ruben have to stand up for his father Yaakov because of Kibarav, or does Yaakov have to stand up for his son Reb Ruben because he has to be Mechabra Talmud Chacham? Or perhaps they can do both. Let's learn the Gemara and see the different manifestations of our Gemara. First, the Gemara begins with the Shaila here in the middle of Lamed Gimel Lamed Beis. Sounds like the Gemara is wondering if a person's son becomes his Rebbe. In other words, he's a student. Not just that he became a Talmud Chacham, he's a student of his son. Does the son still have to be Mechavit his father? Perhaps the whole chief to be Mechavit one's father is because of general status. The son is on a lower level on the totem pole, if you will. He's a son. And he's bequeathed to respect his father. He's obligated to respect his father. However, now that the son was raised to the level of being the Rebbe of his father, and his father is only a disciple of his, so although it's still his father, but perhaps now the Gemara wants to know that maybe he no longer has to respect his father. He is exempt from the mitzvah of Kibarav. That's question number one. And the Gemara does not have a pshitas. The Gemara does not resolve this issue. It remains in the void layishita. We'll get back to this. The second question in the Gemara, as we make our way towards the wise lines, is what about does the father now have to turn around and go respect his son? In other words, granted that perhaps we can entertain the possibility that the son does no longer have to respect his father, that Reb Ruvain no longer is chayav in kibbut av to Yaakov, but to say that Yaakov now has to go respect Ruvain, what's the story with that? On the one hand, Yaakov was always respected by his son Reb Ruvain, and now that Reb Ruvain became a Rosh Hashiva, and he became his Rebbe, as the Gemara is discussing, so maybe now Yaakov has a chiv to be mechavet his Rebbe, just like all Talmidim have to respect the Rebbe. So who then Yaakov, albeit his son, would have to respect his father. <clears throat> and the Gemara, as regard to this issue as well, also does not resolve it. And the Rosh here in Simon on Zion in Kedushin says that both of these Iboyes are Iboyes of which means that there was no conclusion, and therefore we remain on both ends of the table, whether it's the father standing up and respecting his son, the Talmud Chach of the Rebbe, or whether it's the son, who's now a Rebbe of his father, the Talmud, has to be Mechavit, his father, or both Iboyes of and the Rosh says, as would be the obvious conclusion, that it's a Suffolk day, right? So Suffolk Mitzvah Saseh of Mitzvah Seva, talking about Dart of Neizokian, or for that matter, and therefore they of course should both give respect to each other and stand up for each other and so on accordingly. That's how the rush opens it up. 
However, then the Rush concludes, it's a short sermon there, and he says, Merami Rutenberg, the Marami Rutenberg, which I believe was the Rosh's Rebbe, from the day that he was Ol-Ligdullah, that he became a great Tamil Chacham and a scholar, he no longer wanted to be Mikhail Pneavim. He didn't want to meet his father anymore. And likewise, he did not want his father to come to him. An amazing thing, you know, you figure, let them both walk in standing and meet each other. Let them work it out. It sounds like they literally did not want to meet each other because of this stuff that they write and they did not want to get involved. And of course, the first thing that comes to mind is that granted, the father could decide to stand up for the son and the son could decide to stand up for the father. But I guess, if the father would be standing up to the son, that would be a bittel in Kibar Av. Even though at the same time it's a mitzvah of Kibar Av and vice versa. If the son were to stand up for the father, it would be a mitzvah of Kibar Av, but it might be at the expense of a bittel of the mitzvah of Kibar Rav. Because if the Rav stands up for a Talmud, then the Talmud is in retrospect being mevatel somewhat the mitzvah of Kibar Rav. So in any event, we see that the Rush concludes over here, that they did not want to meet each other. And presumably, it sounds like the Rush holds of this on Haga, he holds of this idea, generally speaking, that since it's a subject they write, the best would be to avoid the situation. That's what it would sound like at first glance, from the Rush quoting this Marami Rudenberg and not saying anything afterwards. There's an interesting Shail Meshav in the Hagois in Yeridais, in Reish Mem, he asks, on this Marami Rutenberg that you find in the Mordechai in Baba Metziah in the 6th parak that he quotes Reb Baruch who is the father of the Marami Rutenberg so he says obviously if the Mordechai is quoting Reb Baruch it must be that he was a big Tamil Chacham so a little bit he finds that contradictory to this halacha in other words the Marami Rutenberg didn't want to meet his father he didn't want his father to meet him would sound similar to our scenario of Yaakov who had a wonderful Tamil Chacham son Reb Ruvain However, asks the Shail Meshiv there in the Hagois that Lecheret sounds like the Maram Rudenberg's father was also a Talmud Chachim. So granted, maybe one was bigger than the other, but it doesn't seem to make a difference. And why did they have the problem there? They were both Talmud Chachim. That's what it sounds like he means to act. Another interesting thing that I just thought of Baruch Hashem recently, I saw in the Birka Yosef in Arachayim Simon Reish, that he brings down from a shita in Ksav Yar, which I haven't found in our manuscripts that we have available, but the Chida quotes that the Rosh stood up for his son Rabbi Yechiel, who was a big Talmud Chacham. You know, we're very familiar with the Rosh's son, Rabbi Yaakov, the Balaturim, who wrote the tour. However, the story goes that the Rosh stood up for his son, Rabbi Yechiel. So a little bit it sounds like the Rush didn't have a problem standing up for his son who was a great scholar, even though that seems to be the boy, the Leifshut I hear in Argamara. And the Rush here says that it's a subject there, right? And then he brings the Marama Rudenberg, didn't want to meet his father, and he seems to promote that. And on the flip side, he went and stood up for his own son, Rabbi Chiel. I think the answer to all this is very simple. The Marama Rudenberg, if you're Medayik in the Lushan of the Rush, the Marami Rodenberg, he doesn't just say that Stam, the Marami Rodenberg was a Talmud Chacham and they ran into this problem. He says, What does it mean, If you look in the Ramah, in Simon Reish Mem, the Mechaber in Simon Reish Mem, Siv Zion, brings down seemingly the Rosh, that it's a Sveikah de Rais, and therefore they, they should both be Mechaber each other. And the Ramah brings down that, of course, we know that generally the rule is, 
So would a father want to forgive his son from the chiv to be mechavrim? He may. And if a son wants to forgive his father, excuse me, if a son is a Rebbe or any Rebbe wants to forgive his Talmud, he wants his disciple not to have to be mechavrim, he may as well. It could be the Sefer Chesidim is mashma like Rebbe Kiveger quotes that there's still an Indian and a mitzvah, but as far as the chiv, the obligation goes, there is no chiv. Which leads us to wonder, so how could there be this issue with the Maram Rutenberg and his father? Wouldn't it be more preferable to be Michael, the chief, to be Mechab of the father, than to actually go and say that you don't want to meet him anymore? So the Ramah continues and he says, even though so what's the whole crisis? The Ramah seems to be saying that Bimachem Zilusa, Bizayin, and Zilzul, there it wouldn't apply. So in other words, and then he concludes the Ramah by quoting the Maram Rodenberg, that he didn't want to meet his father. So what I think the bottom line of this whole thing is that of course the father and a son, even if the son became a big Talmud Chacham, don't have any issue. And if the father's a Talmud Chacham and the son's a Talmud Chacham, that doesn't contradict this quote from the Maram Rodenberg. And that is why I believe it's not such a big kasha that if the Maran Rudenberg's father was a Talmud Chacham, then it makes any difference to this. We'll see why in a moment. And that's why the Rosh, even though he quotes this Marami Rutenberg, nevertheless he stood up for his son. Because I think the Lashon of the Marami Rutenberg is specifically, I don't exactly have pinpointed what does it mean, but let's take first thing first, as we go into the first wide line here in our Gemara and Kedushan, the Gemara brings the Raya, and the Gemara is doichet, that a Nasi is different. It sounds like that everybody would be in agreement that even if we say that maybe a father should still get respect from his son who's his Revi, and vice versa, but a Nasi of course would be in a league of his own, and perhaps he wouldn't be obligated to respect his father. Because since he's a Nasi, and I think that would be the explanation and that's the Ramah's source, a Nazi to go and stand up for his father would be a little bit of a disrespect to the Nasius. That would be a zilzal to the Nasius. A regular Talmud Chacham, if he's 18 or if he's 45 and so on, and he stands up for his father, or even if he's much older, whatever it is, it wouldn't be a zilzal. He's standing up for his father. It's almost respectful that he's a great person of great stature and he's still respecting his father however if he's a Nasi or perhaps a Melech a king then already it could be it would be at the expense of the respect to his position and to who he represents to go and stand up for someone else or be mazalzal himself his position by being Mechabra's father because a person of such great stature any respect that he gives to anybody else would a little bit be a knock on his position. Just like the Gemara's discussion in Saitim Mem Aleph about being Mechavit someone else, the Mokim the Kain Gadol, the Mokim the Melech. There's no room to respect anybody else when you're talking about a great level of respect like a Melech or a Nasi. That's why the Gemara seems to say that a Nasi doesn't have to have respect. And that is what I understand Pshat in the Ramah as well as Pshat in the Ram Rutenberg. Miyoyim Sha'ola means that he was appointed as a great status to the extent that if he would go and stand up or respect his father, it might be a zilzlan of Bizoyin in the position that he was all Ligdullah to. And maybe that and only that is the reason why he didn't want to meet his father anymore. Just to get a little bit more deeper into this topic, there's a flaw in Ksubis Tafkuf Gimel Amad Beis that quotes this Mechaber and Ramah and Reish Mem Siv Zayin which is saying that it's a Sveke de Raisa, and therefore a son, whether he should be Mechaber's father and vice versa, 
is a machloikis and it's a suffix de raisa. And he seems to be assuming that the Ramaz maskana is that officially a son is no longer machloikis to be machabra's father anymore. Again, I should mention that the Shach over here in Yeridea brings down that the Rambam and Rabbeinu Hanana argue, and they hold, of course, that a son is mechuyiv to respect his father after all is said and done. La of course, the Gemara declares about it, but la a son shall respect his father even if the son is a great scholar. So halacha of course, our friend Rabbi Ruvain would have to give respect to Rabbi Yaakov, firstly, because of the Rambam and the Rach, and secondly, because even the Ramah agrees that they can be Michael. A Rosh Hashiva, I'm not sure what the story with that is because the Rosh Hashiva perhaps in some ways is definitely compared to a Nasi and a Melech, but in other ways maybe we could, could still consider him like just a regular Talmud Chacham without that elite status of Nasi and, Rosh Hashiva, and, and Melech. I'm not sure about that. We have to learn a little bit more in your day here in these whereabouts, Simon Reish Mem and Reish Mem Beis, and a little Reish Mishpat Simon Zion, and whatnot. What would be the status of a Rosh Hashiva in this regard? But just to elaborate a little bit more, the Mahaflo over there wants to bring many rights that, of course, a son, even with a great position, is still Chayev and Kibarav. First of all, he mentions over there a couple of rice from the Gemaras, one on Ksubis over there in Kuf Gimel, and in other places. And then I saw that he brings, I also was wondering about this, Shleim HaMelech in Malachim Aleph, Kapitel Beis, Pasikutes, stood up for his mother Bathsheba when she walked in, even though he was already on Melech. And of course, the more famous popular topic would be Yosef HaTzadik, who was a Melech, and nevertheless, was very involved in Kibarav. The flaw asks, according to the Ramah, and all those who want to entertain the possibility that a Talmud Chacham is not Mechuyiv, a Rebbe of a father is not Mechuyiv to be Mechavra's father anymore. And likewise, you would assume who had been a Nasi and a Melech, how come Yosef was so involved in Kibarav? You know, what's interesting, I was wondering the exact contrary, that the Shar Melech and Joshus, Josh Beis, Der Hashar, as well as many other Achrenim want to know, why did Yaakov have to make Yosef swear that he's going to do Kvura of Yaakov in Maris HaMachpelah? If he told Yosef to do that, can't we safely assume that Yosef would do Kibar Aim? Even though they weren't yet obligated to Kibar Aim, but many say that it's a mitzvah sikhlius, it's a logical ob- obligation, which they definitely were obligated to keep, and be the Ovis and the Shvatim as well kept all the mitzvahs even before they were given like Rashi says and and therefore why would one wonder if Yosef would keep Kibarav or not he definitely would so ask the Sharmelech why was it necessary for him to stress that he's making him a Shvua why did they need a Shvua for and of course there are numerous truths into this but perhaps one of them would be if you tell me there's a possibility that a Melech is exempt from Kibarav, then there's your answer. So Kibarav wasn't really a player. And perhaps, just perhaps, we could stretch the line and say that likewise, if somebody has... Excuse me, if you look later on in Parshas Vayechi, the Pesach says that Yosef was not happy about how Yaakov arranged the children, and he said, Loi Kain Avi. Isn't that a little bit of a Lefum Riyata, an unusual term for a son to say to his father, Loi Kain Avi? The Rogachavar in Safnas Paneach says a Chiddush Nifla to answer this question. He says that the din of any Saitras Dvarav not contradicting one's father is only in Mili Dishmaya in learning, not in Mili Da'alma. That's an unbelievable Chiddush. 
However, perhaps if we would allow ourselves to say that a melech is not chayiv and kibbut av, who are then we can go a little further and say that maybe Ainisaisarvarv is also not so applicable when he's not chayiv and kibbut av, even though Stira has to do with Myra, one would have to wonder. But I was just wondering if maybe we could work with that Mahalach. Now, of course, the Gemara says in Saizadaf Mem Aleph that Melech Shemachal Akvaydekvayde Machal, but Mitzvah Shani. So you have to know if Mitzvah Kibbutz will be the same thing. That the Hafla mentions. And he brings Titus over there that discusses that not necessarily would Mitzvah be an ability for a Melech to always be Michael. It depends on the situation. However, what I was wondering was that Lechaira, why don't we say that Melech Shemachal Akvaydekvayde Machal is only by a Melech Yisrael and not by a Melech of Nachrim? And I found that the Erechayim HaKadosh, in the beginning of Parshas Vayechi, says this Svar Beferish, although he puts it together with something else, but he does entertain this possibility. The Svas Emes as well says that a Melech Shemachal HaKvaydei won't apply by Achashverish, and of course Kvaydei would be Mochel. In Megillus Esther, the Svas Emes says that. And here we have the Erechayim saying it Beferish. You could wonder, does it have to do with the Melech as a Yidurgoi, which would revolve around whether Yosef had a din of a Yidurgoi? Does it have to do with his subjects? In other words, Hamolech Timlech Aleinu sounds like that Yosef was a Melech on the Shvatim as well, and perhaps they were Yidin. However, maybe he's still called a Melech al Nachrim because he was officially appointed by Goyim and a Melech on Mitzrayim. So even if Yidin later became part of the Egyptian uh, kingdom, there's still not, it still maybe won't be called a Melech Yisrael, and it would be Kvayde Machel. I would have thought that maybe even a Melech Nachrim is Kvayde Machel because perhaps, even though the Gemara sounds like a Teimah Seyalecha, and there's a Marsha, but maybe you could have also said that Melech Shemachel Kvayde Kvayde Machel is because it's not his. It belongs to the kingdom, it's not his personal thing that he's allowed to be Michael. It, it basically, he would be undermining the whole community, the whole kingdom that he's a king of, if he would bend over and do things that are disrespectful to the king. Maybe that's why it's Enkvayde Machel, and maybe the Afla held that the same thing applies, even by a Melech of Nachrim, and that's why he didn't entertain the idea of Mechilo with regard to Yosef. Just another tidbit about this, if you look in the Imri Rashad al in the back of the Choshevah Sefer, Oyrach Mishpat al on Choshevah Mishpat, so the Imri Rashad over there says that the Hafla can't bring a riot from Yosef because Yosef didn't really have a regular Din Melech. He's not so much stressing the issue of Mechila, but just in general he wouldn't consider this a regular Melech. And he has a fascinating Raya. He brings that the Urzeruah is Mesopic about whether a Melech has to sit Shiva on his relatives for the morning does he have to sit Shiva or not? Says the uh, Imri Rashad, why didn't the Zerua bring a riot from the Pasuk and Vayichi? It says, Vayasla of Abel, Shivas Yaman. Apparently, says the Imri Rashad, Yasef didn't have a regular Din Melech, and that's why the Raya was not brought from there. So we see that he doesn't have a regular Din Melech, and maybe that's why he was Chayiv and Kibbutz But nevertheless, maybe a regular Melech, Enochanami, according to the Ramah and the Mechaber, and the possible Maskana of our Gemara, a regular Melech maybe wouldn't be Chayiv and Kibbutz perhaps. The Daf Yomi Halacha series has been brought to you by the Beis Havad Halacha Center. To sign up for the Halacha Center's weekly interactive e-journal, please email subscribe to info at thehalachacenter.org.